You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. I'm Kyle Hawk, editor-in-chief at itsalldead.com. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Uh, it's been a few weeks since we've had an episode, but we're back now to talk about some music and more. And joining me is uh, senior editor at It's All Dead, Kyle Schultz. What's up, Kyle? Hello, hello. Nice to uh, hear your voice. As it should be. I am an angel. <laughs> We're glad you're here, and we're recording this on a Tuesday. What is today? February the 20th. 20th. It was an hour ago. It was 74 degrees. I was sitting out on my deck drinking a beer. It's been like the most brutal winter, and now suddenly out of nowhere it's 74. What is it there in Chicago? Uh, About two hours ago, it was... Right around 60 degrees, and as of now, it's about 40. Okay, yeah. So it's going to be, this is in Indianapolis, high of 74, tomorrow high of 38. So, uh, Oh, look at you living all high and mighty with your 38. (laughs) Right, yeah. No, I should be thinking my lucky stars, I guess. I'm just over it. But (laughs) today was nice because, and I was telling somebody this today, that like every like first nice day of the year, when it almost feels like spring's about to happen, I just like blast pop punk music to the fullest all day long. It's just a ritual that I have. Yeah, that's been uh, one of mine for years as well. You, most uh, common during college, I didn't get the chance to today because usually you know you want to be out with the weather where it's warm and uh, you can feel the breeze on your face. And today it has been raining nonstop for the last 40 hours. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. So I can just look out the window and go, so close. Yeah, so close yet so far away. Well, um, we're going to talk about some stuff on today's podcast, including and mostly about Dashboard Confessional, which I'm really excited. They put out an album recently. You reviewed it. You're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the band's legacy and a lot more. Um, And uh, to start us off, well, let's start off here before we get into into the heart of the the matters tonight um what are you having to partake beverage wise during our conversation uh i am having myself a half acre daisy cutter pale ale whoa that is a mouthful of words it's certainly a lot of words (laughs) is it good it's fantastic cool is that like a regular for you or is that a new thing you're trying uh it's kind of a semi-regular it's a Served a lot in Chicago at a lot of the pubs, and it's kind of one of those things I started noticing a lot, and then I started drinking a lot, and now it's followed me home, and I can keep it. <laughs> I'm having a, uh, it's called When the Lights Go Out, um, Fountain Square, I'm sorry, Sun King Brewery I've talked about here in Indianapolis. This is a new thing of theirs. It's a coffee porter, and uh, it's really good. It's really rich. Very deep, dark beer. Um, but yeah, I went enjoy to go. It. Oh, uh, it, not to go off on a tangent too quick early on, but um, so the bar I go to weekly with some friends is called Cheesies. It's a uh, grilled cheese bar, and their new rotation is Sun King Brewery. So we have some of theirs on tap at the Ooh. moment. Oh, nice. Did you have Sun King when you lived here in Indy? Or? Uh, right at the very end. Okay, cool. Well, 
that's neat to know that word's getting out, I guess. <laughs> um, well, before we get into dashboard, I I had uh, I was messaging you at the end of the day today about Warp Tour because <laughs> their oh Twitter <laughs> account took on a life of its own. Uh, I don't know. It's just a mess. I mean, we're going to talk about Warp Tour for the years over. Um, I think it was an important thing for both of us at certain points in our lives, and this is the last year for it. But my goodness, um, essentially their their Twitter account went berserk, and that the person whoever's running it, I don't know if it's Kevin Lyman or <laughs> if it's somebody else, but just very uh, aggressive. Um, that is the correct word. <laughs> yeah, about bands that are not going to be on the tour and why. Um, I don't know, man. I I was trying to find a reason to look forward to one last time a warp tour. I was already struggling with it just because of the whole culture around it. But at this point, I don't know, man. I'm just kind of tired, <laughs> and it's just a mess. <laughs> yeah, the I seeing some of the tweets later on. You know, I understand that they wanted to give some reasons why uh, some of the most requested larger bands weren't attending and stuff. Like, I, I get that, but, oh, did that not come across? <laughs> no. Yeah, it was awful. Um, I mean, we get it. <laughs> My Chemical Romance isn't reuniting to play Warp Tour. Like, that's fine, but just the, I don't know. They they kind of went off about how, like, Blink-182 has the same manager as us, but they won't talk back to us and all american rejects didn't want to do it and just i don't know it just felt really really kind of cruddy i guess yeah I like uh part of the reason warp tour is so big is because you know those larger bands really committed to it early on and it seems kind of a uh you're shooting yourself on the foot a little bit by kind of shitting on your own legacy with bands that have stayed large this entire time not really wanting to come back when uh you know, the summer is prime tour season. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to, I don't know, we'll think on this some more before we do a, a Warp Tour podcast. I want to do something about it. Um, I don't know. There's just too much. Yeah, that, that is <laughs> a some of this right bit now. of a surprise later in the day for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to talk about Dashboard Confessional anyway, and we've got good things to say, I think, mostly. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> um, but the, the good things I do know, Dashboard Confessional released their first album a couple weeks ago. First album in, was it eight years? Something like that? Yeah. Um, they've been kind of touring. Um, I didn't really expect them to release another album but you know sure enough a new single came along and then the full album which you reviewed and, and scored very well and we're going to talk about the new album a little bit but it seems like the right time to kind of talk about their legacy a little bit um and the the history of the band and normally when we do these kinds of things we'll do like ranking of the albums and songs and stuff for the, for this one i just kind of want to talk about dashboard confessional because i feel like they're such a touchstone band for so many people in so many different ways um, that it's really unique to your own kind of personal experience. But we'll get into kind of all that and why why I feel that way. But to start off with, tell me, like I mentioned, you reviewed the new album, but tell me about your first introduction to Dashboard Confessional. Where were you? What was your what were your thoughts about the band? Uh, when I was in middle school, I one of my well, actually my best friend, he and his older brother were much more into music than I was, and. Uh, I was just starting to kind of, you know, get my legs with it. I had just discovered Saves the Day. Uh, I don't think I had discovered Get Up Kids yet, anything like that. And 
you know, I just kind of feeling myself around. I'd, you know, just become accustomed to Blink-182. And uh, my friend Max came up to me. He's like, man, the new Dashboard album's crazy. They went electric on it. And I just kind of sat there and not wanting to admit that I had no idea who they were. I'm like, yeah, so weird. And uh, <laughs> it, it took a few months until I finally picked it up. I remember the name. Uh, it's a very distinct name. It's hard to forget about it. And I picked up... Um, a mark a mission for the first time listened to it and it blew me away right away um it hands down if you've never listened to dashboard ever hearing hands down for the first time is a life-changing experience it's one of the best songs ever recorded i think and uh since then you know he's kind of been a staple to my rotations um on and off and uh a mark a mission is pretty much the flag bearer for their entire catalog. It's really, really tough for me to uh, look past that. You know, I don't know for anyone else where they started along the way uh, for each album, but that it's really hard to move past that one for me. Yeah, well, that's the thing, and I, I want to talk about that a little bit because I think wherever you came into the picture with Dashboard Confessional, that's the time you probably identify with the most. Um, and I, I just say this from conversations with different people and just kind of a, a general view of, of how people seem to respond to this band. But, you know, there's no question that a Mark Commission, a Brain of Scar was like kind of the tipping point for Dashboard being kind of this band that college kids clung to, to like a really big deal. Um, and certainly a great album for me. I uh, had a friend in college, uh, Nick Lyon, who, uh, if you're listening, Nick, hello. Doubt it, but um, he... uh, Go away, Nick. He's my friend. (laughs) Uh, Nick was really into Dashboard Confessional. And this was probably around the time that uh, The Places You Have Come to Fear the Most was out. I don't know if American Mission Brandon Scar was out yet or not. Um, But I listened to them, and it took me a little while to catch on. But I'm going to step back for a minute because my first, the first time I fell in love with Chris Caraba was listening to Further Seems Forever. And, of course, at the end of last year, we had Matt Carter from Emory on the podcast, and he talked about Labeled, a podcast he hosts for Tooth & Nail. And if you want kind of an overview on Further Seems Forever and the Chris's break off into Dashboard, that is a fantastic podcast episode to listen to because he really, uh, a lot of it kind of goes back and interviews a lot of people involved, including Chris himself. And it gives a really kind of detailed view of the the history of that whole situation. But further seems forever was uh, a band that Chris Bravo was the original lead singer of. He recorded their debut album, then left the band to start dashboard before uh, further seems forever's debut. A moon, uh, the moon is down even came out. Um, so interestingly enough, I'm going to be one of those shitty you know, jerks <laughs> that says the moon is down is actually my favorite thing that Chris Caraba has done uh, to this day. Now I got into dashboard as time went on and became a huge fan of dashboard confessional. Um, and I, and I love really all their work on all the work he's done in, in different ways, but for their seems forever's the moon is down is certainly the, the thing I gravitate to the most of his, but I'm, I'm kind of interested to talk with you a little bit about their music and we'll get into some of our favorite songs and favorite albums. But what I want to talk about with this podcast, I guess, is 
the iconic status of Dashboard Confessional and Chris Caraba. Just the fact that he can come back seven, eight years later and release a new album. And, and, and it's a big deal. And people are interested in talking about it. I mean, all different kinds of sites were, you know, posting interviews with Chris. I saw a bunch of different really interesting feature articles. Like, it wasn't lost on people how fascinating it was to have him return to Dashboard at this point in his life. You know what I mean? I I don't know. Why do you think that is? Why is it still interesting now that we want to hear what he has to say through a dashboard confessional album? I think it's a generational thing. Like, um, you know, further seems forever. I don't know anything about them, to be honest. Uh, I've listened to his album with them once, but I got nothing, but his first two albums were the crux of the emo moment. Like, uh, when they came out is right when it was really big and just it's that intimate sound that I think a younger generation really kind of drew themselves to because, uh, you know, he was labeled as emo. I don't know if that holds up quite as much after the first album, um, but he writes some of the most romantic music I've ever heard. And especially just on an acoustic guitar, it's much more intimate than most other bands. And I think he hit all the waves perfectly he hit the emo wave and really kind of picked up on that i know he was a part of uh you know drive through for a little bit right as they were launching um when hands down came out he hit the trl wave right at its peak and it launched him even higher so he transitioned from emo to pop and uh you know kept the romantic songs coming out while you know the pop punk movement itself when it was big was much more i guess depressing uh, and he kind of went against the grain with that and just a string of singles that just focus on romance the entire time and they weren't corny they're just really heartfelt and I think each time it kind of as uh, his audience aged they went from you know the angsty teenagers to uh, early 20s being in love kind of feeling the world for the first time and I think he's aged with a certain uh, demographic long enough that at this point in their lives they're ready for him to come back to kind of uh, keep that wave moving yeah i think you hit on a ton of the the main points there i mean it was certainly when i talk about it being a touchstone it was that in many ways for people from our generation certainly kind of tagging on with the the emo movement um being pop enough that he was able to cross over you got a handsome guy in a skinny jeans and a guitar playing sad (laughs) songs certainly something that you identify with as you're transitioning from like high school to college but i want to add another wrinkle to it and something else that i I think is really important and why uh we we have this and why dashboard is a thing that we can kind of look back on and identify with a certain time so not only is it a generational thing uh for us but when you think about when his music started coming out the internet was a thing like people were starting to look to the internet for music myspace you know pure volume you talk about a time when for the first time ever i'm not just hearing a cd in somebody's car and going to best buy and buying a cd i can get on the internet and find my own music the kind of rise of chris's dashboard happened at like simultaneously with what was happening with people's experience with music on the internet so now not only am i having this experience in which is music speaking to me but it's a different communal experience in which people all over the world really that i can connect with in a new way are experiencing it at the same time and i think it just caused the music and 
dashboard in general just the idea of it to spread like wildfire no that's uh true that's the same way dane cook uh really became famous right at the same time too and i have a new conspiracy i just thought of which is they're the same person except chris Kraba has tattoo sleeves <laughs> i was just thinking how weird would a dane cook dashboard confessional <laughs> tour be <laughs> cry and laugh um, and then probably cry some more i don't know <laughs> um Let's talk a little bit about the career trajectory because obviously the new album is is unlike you know anything we've had from Dashboard. But he's had an interesting career because he kind of cut his teeth on the whole singer songwriter guy and a guitar thing for the first two albums. But like you mentioned, hey Dashboard went electric. You had in the full band, starts writing pop songs, uh, even into Dusk and Summer. You know, I remember, I'm going to talk about Dusk and Summer for a minute, and you wrote about it a couple years ago beautifully in a, in a reflection piece you did. Mm. That's an album that I remember as people that were fans of his being like, I- I'm done with this. Like, this I, this is ridiculous. Because he'd completely transitioned yeah. uh, sonically. But when you look back on that stuff now, it's really good. Like, Chris Carabas wasn't, like, a, a one-off thing. Like, he's a really fucking good songwriter. So even when you look back on Dusk and Summer Now, you're like, wow, these are really good pop songs. Now, maybe some people wanted him to keep crying and playing an acoustic <laughs> guitar. Um, that's just a thing, you know, when bands change their sound. But I, to me, Dashboard was almost a few steps ahead of what anybody probably wanted them to be or expected they would be. Because you look back now and, I mean... It's good music kind of all the way through. Yeah, no, I uh, totally agree with that. And that's one of the things I've kind of had the realization of in the last few years is uh, going back to Dusk and Summer, I appreciate it so much more than I did when it came out, you know, 12 years ago. It's just, uh, it means a lot more. It sounds a lot better. It sounds much better than I think most of his other work does. And it's one of those things that, you kind of have that tension about it from uh, remembering not liking it as much when it came out. And it seems like it always surprises me each time I listen to it, how much I really enjoy it. Yeah. You know, there's multiple things with this, you know, one, the sonic change from just like we mentioned from the acoustic to electric Um, two, the change in theme going from just brokenhearted, sad songs to, you know, even songs about love you know, if you're still brokenhearted, you don't really want to hear the guy that you identified with singing about how in love he is, right? So <laughs> that 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 affected things in the moment. But even more possibly was just the rapid ascent. Because, you know, when those first two albums come out, it's just kind of this small community latching onto this thing they have. Just like when you're in college and you have this band. Well, a few years later, he's writing the theme song to Spider-Man 2. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the the scent was so quick and so huge that I feel like some of his early fans almost felt alienated in a way because now like, oh, this is everybody's thing. It used to just be my thing. Yeah. And excuse me, like we said before, you know, there's a intense intimacy that comes along with his music. And I... um, you know, I was just getting into him when all that was kind of going down uh, for a while. But I can see, um, you know, older fans really being turned off by that ascent where it feels like it's something where he's almost speaking to you directly in his early albums. And then when uh, he makes that transition, it goes from 
something that is really kind of pulling you along to something where he's just speaking in general. And it, it does lose its hook, but there's a whole new meaning to everything beyond that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, for me, it's a it's a good thing to have the diverse catalog we have. Because if I want to hear a sad song, I've got Swiss Army Romance and The Place You've Come to Fear the Most. If I want a happier song, I, I've got Alter the Ending. Or, you know, I, I mean, there, there's a variety to choose from at this point. And I think as people have grown, they've realized that of kind of the different routes they can take with his music to kind of fill the moment. Um, one thing that we would be remiss to speak about is the MTV... Uh, unplugged album this was kind of one of the last of the original mtv unplugged series that i think had a worldwide success because it's at the point where it's just chris and his guitar and you've got all the people in the audience like singing along you can hear the crowd singing along have you ever watched the mtv unplugged performance of his yes okay because i own that on dvd and i still will watch it regularly because it is such a fascinating experience to kind of keys in exactly to that point in time and how people felt about his music it's just there's something beautiful about it and something really nostalgic about it as well i guess no it's a it's an amazing album and what's crazy about it is just uh how long he will play without singing words and let the audience sing um i it's one of those things i've never really seen it before with any other band where he'll just start a song and sing just a few lyrics and then just let it go and won't come back to it until you know a verse or two later um i haven't haven't listened to it for a while but so i could be exaggerating but just it's an insane amount of time where the audience just takes over and it becomes their music yeah you're absolutely right and that's a good transition into talking about dashboard live because seeing dashboard confessional in person is an experience all its own um because of that like I saw him a couple summers ago. It's still the same thing. Like he'll walk away from the mic and let the crowd sing a verse. Um, so we were talking today about experiences seeing Dashboard Live. I've actually had three. Um, two summers ago, I saw him on the Taste of Chaos tour, Taking Back Sunday and Seos. And um, we saw him at Riot Fest. And I want to say it was 2014. But two, my most, my favorite performance of his and one of my favorite concerts of all time was in 2009. I saw him play with the Louisville Symphony Orchestra while I was living in Louisville, Kentucky. Whoa. And yeah, it was unbelievable. It was just a one-night event. It's him playing the guitar with an orchestra behind him. So he came out and probably played two to three songs, just him and the guitar. And then the orchestra came out and they played a whole set with his music. And Kyle, I cannot explain to you how beautiful it was. I mean, you, you think about like some of these songs that are so stripped down, so bare bones. To hear an orchestra adapt that music behind him, I, I can't even... It's one of those things I wish I could go back and relive it because it was such a unique and incredible experience. That sounds amazing. I'm trying to imagine what it could even sound like. I yeah, want to go to there. <laughs> I, I wish you could man um were you able to see dashboard other than a few songs at that riot fest we were at? nope uh like i was gonna say i've only seen half a concert because i got to see the beginning of his set and then had to run to go see the get up kids play because i hadn't seen them before and uh they're playing an album i want to see all the way through so i had to run over and see them as much as i could and then come back hoping i could catch the end of his set but i think i caught the last chorus of the last song and 
as he went to walk off stage, you just turned to me and went, that was an amazing concert. And then I cried. <laughs> well, that was one, you know, he played hands down and just walked away from the microphone and everybody in the crowd was singing along. It was outdoors with the trees and that uh, Humboldt Park is where they used to have Riot Fest. At that Son point. of a just bitch. A, yeah, the whole thing was beautiful. <laughs> but, you know, it, I gave up seeing the Wu-Tang Clan to watch a dashboard, which is really... <laughs> It was a really difficult decision, uh, but I thought I may never get to see Dashboard again, so I did it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a great experience. Um, but there, you know, his performances kind of have that, especially in the early days. People talk about you think about a small venue uh, with just a guy and his guitar and people singing along, um, and, and Chris just kind of having the charisma he does from the stage. I think adds a whole new level to it as well. Well. Um, Let's talk about Crooked Shadows a little bit, the new album. Um, only nine songs, which is really interesting. It's a very short album. You gave it a stellar review. Talk with me a little bit about how you're feeling about it a few weeks later and what you liked about the album. Um, I really liked the album in that it felt like a nice kind of coming home uh, sound. You can see the influences from almost every album he's kind of thrown in there at some point. Um, you know, I... I don't know if I can ever say it's going to be my favorite album is his. I can't say if some of the singles from it are going to be my favorites, but it's one of those things where it's just, it's nice hearing all the elements I really liked about him in the first place kind of come together and just they're spread throughout across the entire thing. You can pick up little bits uh, throughout his career, just kind of spread in between songs and you get, you know, the electric pop song, you have the acoustic song, uh, there's new pop elements that he'd never used before kind of thrown in. And it's just, it's an exciting way to relive the best of him while hearing the uh, next phases of his career kind of start to pop its head out. Do you feel like you're going to be returning to that album a lot? Um, I, I don't know. That's kind of my curse with Dashboard, which is that as much as I love him, it dawned on me while I was listening to Crooked Shadows that that was the first time I've listened to a Dashboard album front to back since Alter the Ending came out almost a decade ago. Okay. Um, you know, I love him, but I think the curse of him is that he writes some amazing songs, but they're kind of spread throughout a bunch of albums. Uh, I don't know if I can really point to one of his albums and say, this is a masterpiece where you can't skip a single one. Interesting. Yeah. I, mm. Okay, I see that for the most part. I do think there's a couple albums that I would <laughs> I would say are... I, okay, well, let's transition to talking about our favorite albums of his. And I'll, I'll share just a I'm couple sorry. I put down. Um, <laughs> so I put down three albums uh, that I would mention. like th- The three that I would reach to first. And the first one is The Places You Have Come to Fear the Most. To me, that album is a masterpiece. I can listen to it front to back. And I usually do listen to it front to back. Um, I know people would argue Swiss Army Romance before this just because it came first, but there's this album was just a little bit more refined and well put together in my mind. So it's it's definitely my favorite of his. But one that I love that I feel like does not get enough credit. You mentioned it just a moment ago. Alter the Ending was the last album he did before this new one. I really like it a lot. I liked it a lot when it came out and I still like it. And one of the things I think is so funny about it is you could tell he was fed up with the people bitching about his music so he released the regular version of the album and he released an acoustic version of the album and it's just at the same time like take your pick if you want the acoustic stuff get the acoustic album if you want 
you know, the full band, get the full band album. I thought that was so brilliant. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I think that song is just full of great songs. And then Dusk and Summer, again, I kind of liked it in the moment. I didn't hate it like some people did, but over time it's really grown on me a lot. Um, and again, it's one I'll pick and choose from. It's not like a masterpiece of an album, but I enjoy it a lot. What are, what would you say are like your favorite albums is? Um, honestly, a mark mission is my go-to. That's the flag bearer for it. I, it's the one I've listened to the most and the one that I enjoy the most. Uh, it's also when I got my first car, it had a cassette player instead of a CD player and I wasn't able to kind of upgrade yet. So I recorded this entire album onto a cassette tape and I remember listening to that while driving and then having to flip the tape over. And that was the only one I had for a long time because they hadn't made cassette tapes for a while. (laughs) So I'm like, all right, this is all my music for now and forever. (laughs) Uh, So there's that. I'm actually a big fan of uh, The Shade of Poison Trees. I think the album gets overlooked a lot. I I really appreciate the fact that he kind of went back and tried to make an acoustic album, but he didn't try to recreate, uh, you know, the intense emo albums of his early career. He just played music. Like, I I haven't listened to it for a while, so I can't remember if there's much of a theme to it uh, or anything. It's just it's just a bunch of really good songs and it's maybe it's the fact that it's not as intimate as his other work that no one really seems to come back to it ever or ever talk about it. Yeah. Um, and then I'd probably honestly probably dust in summer. I find myself coming back to that a lot these days and it, I never thought I would. I always kind of, thought i'd overlook it because i didn't really care for it when it first came out but uh it has grown on me over the years and i'm really appreciating it more and more as the years go by yeah well i mean i love the album name even i mean just the whole vibe of it you get the feel of what to expect you think about dusk and summer and Mm -hmm. just these beautiful kind of quiet pop songs that I don't know. To me, it's a it's a really good album. I'm glad you brought up the Shade of Poison Trees because that's an album I just don't have a lot to say about, and uh, so I <laughs> and I do feel like it's probably an overlooked album. So I'm, I'm glad you you spoke up about it. Um, I wrote I put down a few songs that I think of as some of my favorites of his, not in any particular order or anything, but um, just kind of a variety. You mentioned hands down. I mean. There's no denying how great that song is. Both the electric version and the acoustic version. I actually like both of them a lot, but damn, that's yeah. a, that is a perfect song. Like it came out when I was in college. Um, it's just, it was right on the money for the time uh, of where I was in my life. Um, Stolen is a song that I'm sure a lot of people hate because it's so poppy, but I love it. <laughs> uh, my wife and I played it at our wedding. Uh, it's a very, very important song to me in that way. It's just a, I don't know, it's a beautiful pop song. Uh, the Best Deceptions is one from uh, Places You've Come to Fear the Most. It's just kind of one of those stripped down, sad, angry, pissed off, broken heart songs. Uh, same for Saints and Sailors. Um, really any song you could pull from the place you come to fear the most and you know i would enjoy it and then everybody learns from disasters one of his later ones on ultra the ending that i find to be really enjoyable really great melody um and again i i i can't say enough how much i think ultra the ending really got looked over but that's a it's a great song from it if you're looking to get into it yeah no um honestly i agree with 
pretty much everything you said. The only one I can really think of uh, is the good fight off of the places you've come to fear the most. I I really love that song. When I was uh, in college, I was studying um, creative writing, and I actually wrote a short story based off that title. And I, mm. I don't know what happened to that, but that song really has kind of meant a lot to me over the years. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is Stolen is also one of my favorite songs. And what's fun about that, and it's not so much fun as it is just kind of weird, uh, the original release of that album, it was a much slower ballad. And then when it became an actual single, he sped it up into a pop song. Yeah. So there's two different versions of it, which are... It's basically the same song. It's just in different tempo, but it makes a world of difference based on what mood you're in when you listen to it. And yeah. uh, it's it's one of my all-time favorite songs. I love it. I mean, you listen to that radio edit, and it just swirls up toward that final chorus. Like, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, And again, a lot of stuff from Dusting Summer. I could have put Vindicated on here. I could have put Don't Wait. Um, I mean, there were, there were some freaking hits. So... Um, he's made a career for himself. Chris Caraba, pretty, pretty good singer, songwriter guy, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's a good description. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know. Do we have anything else to say about Dashboard? Do we, I mean, it kind of seems to me, I kind of feel like he can just put out a Dashboard album when he wants to at this point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know if Crooked Shackles will be the end. It doesn't have to be. I, and I don't think that he needs anything from it. I think it's just kind of a an interesting release for him artistically at this point. Yeah, I, I guess uh, the one thing I wanted to ask you is, have you ever listened to Twin Forks? I have. I wrote a uh, review for It's All Dead when the album came out and uh, thought very highly of it. Ah, I can see I remember that well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have actually never listened to them. I can't say I've ever heard a song by them. And I, that's another thing that kind of hit me when I was listening to Crooked Shadows is just like, it has been so long since I've heard his voice that I can't believe I never went back and uh, tried listening to that. And I'm curious how much of his fan base did the same thing. Yeah, I don't know if it did great. I mean, here's the thing about Twin Forks, and I really like that album. I still uh, will play some songs off of it and enjoy it a lot. It came out, it, it was almost, it almost felt too strategic, right? So mm-hmm. you think about whatever it was, 2013, 2014, you've got Mumford and Sons, the Lumineers, like kind of that whole folk rock thing was becoming big. Um, So in that way, it almost felt like a a strategic play to kind of stay in the limelight. So it would be easy to write it off just because that genre got diluted so fast. But for what it is, if you go back and listen to it now, I mean, I still think there's some great songs on it. Chris is a good songwriter, and he can write a really great melody. So if you're in the mood for kind of a folksy, indie sort of song, Twin Forks is a great place to go. I'd be interested to see if he does something more with that in the future, or if that was just kind of a one-off thing. Yeah, I uh, hadn't really thought about them for a long time, and it just kind of dawned on me that uh, he has a whole side project that I never looked into, which is usually not my standard. (laughs) Well, the fact that you've only listened to "The Moon Is Down" by the by Further Seems Forever one time really uh, bothers me. So, <laughs> I when we finish this, Kyle, you need to go 
get on Spotify and listen to The Moon Is Down. That's a much would, that's please. a much better reaction than so this is the last It's All Dead podcast. <laughs> well, that too. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. This isn't the last one. I hope. Um, we've got plenty more, and if you like what you heard on this podcast, guess what? We've done a lot of them. Go to iTunes. Go to your favorite podcast app. Search It's All Dead. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review and uh, let us know how we're doing. Uh, in the meantime, you can go to itsalldead.com. We've got all kinds of great content. Uh, a lot of good stuff has been coming out. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but we brought on a, a new writer at the end of last year, Nadia, who's been like cranking out album reviews, which has been a blessing from the heavens for me. <laughs> um, so she's been doing a lot of great writing. You've done some really cool stuff. I put up something on the Black Panther uh, soundtrack this week. So we got a lot of good content coming out on the site. I'm really... Really liking how it's going, so come check us out at itsalldead.com. Um, any parting words from you, Mr. Kyle Schultz? I'm out of beer. Yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> uh, we need to fix that. But before we do that, we'll have to sign off on the podcast. Uh, I'm Kyle Hawk. You've been listening to It's All Dead. Thank you for joining us. We will catch you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more.